Hello, Looney listeners. You are listening to Into the Night, a Moon Knight podcast, and this is a big episode. Everything's new. We've got guests galore. It's a huge party, and it's also the the end of a, a, a quite a, a seminal run for Moon Knight. Uh, I'm your host, Ray, one of the high priests. Um, and I'm joined by a fair few people here. Uh, I'll just quickly run through them. Uh, first of all is Connor. Connor, how are you? I am doing fucking fantastic. <laughs> it's a great morning. <laughs> fantastic, Connor. Um, I was about to ask as well, you know, usually in our openings, we, we always say get your conchu on. Um, had you ever known what that actually meant? Do you know what um... it is to get your conchu on? Did I come up with that? I have uh, no idea. Possibly. <laughs> um, no, I, I cannot reasonably think of one thing it could mean. Um, uh, okay, so we'll, we'll just have to go into the ether, I guess, and it'll never be discovered. Because, um, yeah, as, I mean... I'm sorry? No, no, I'm blanking. No, Do you blank no. it? Because <laughs> as you probably heard, Loonies, we have a new format. Um, we have new music, we've got a new logo, it's all happening. Uh, we've got our other high priest here, Rebecca. Rebecca, welcome back. Hello. Hello, it's Rebecca. Good to be back. <laughs> yeah, and I must say, I really do, I really do dig your your knee high socks and your um, thank you and your gun that you use on supervillains. It's really good. Wow, well, you know, Brits <laughs> and guns. What can I say? Oh, well, it's quite, <laughs> it's quite it's so weird. Um, it's the only time I'll be holding a gun, but that's cool in and of itself. Um, and my school uniform was purple, so I'm I'm well into the purple skirts. Fantastic. And loonies, if you have absolutely no idea, which you should have, what Rebecca's talking to, we'll get to that later. Um, and so the high priests are all here. We also have one of our one of our favourite loonies. He's been here. He's we we picked him from the Daily Bugle. He's uh, he's got his ear to the ground. He is our man on the streets, Tommy. Tommy, welcome back. Hey, thank you. Very happy to be here and uh, very excited. Excellent. Yeah, it, 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 this is a big one, I must say. It's really good. And, uh, and of course, we are all here looking at Moon Knight 200 uh, and having a good old chat with none other than Max Bemis. A huge welcome to you, Max. Welcome on the show. Thank you. Hi, guys. Hi. <laughs> Hello. Hello again. Uh, Here I am. <laughs> I'm so glad Connor got that first swear word out of the way, so it's kind of free reign now. It's really good. Oh, yeah, fuck. <laughs> uh, so uh, so much for my son coming up. <laughs> uh, we'll shield him from that. Yeah, right. Um, so as mentioned, uh, we have uh, it was there was a bit of a soft launch last episode. We we've got a new a new look to the show. We've got new music, uh, fantastically supplied by Delita. And uh, and the lead singer, guitarist Noel Tate, he wanted me to to actually just say hello to you. Buddy of mine, yeah. We one of my first tours ever. Yeah. Oh, that would be great because he asked me, told told me to to give you a a hello. Uh, So yes, yeah, and their music is awesome as well. Uh, They've supplied the new theme to our show as well as the music in between, everything in between, Um, and also our new logo as well. Uh, A big shout out to Randolph Benoit. And his brother, Ben, who actually put us onto it, um, he is a graphic designer and he was so so generous to, to uh, refine, I guess, the, the shonky design that I had for, for the logo. So thank you so much, Randolph. Uh, again, this is just test, 
testament to the the awesome community, uh, loonies and the show. Uh, everyone's just kind of uh, sharing stuff uh, and and pitching in. It's really great. So um, yeah, we're here. And uh, look, Connor, I'll throw it to you uh, to I guess let let the loonies and Max as well know what we're what we're doing tonight. Right. Well, I mean, episode sixty-eight doesn't actually represent anything in terms of a milestone, but Moon Knight. Issue 200 dropped this Wednesday, so we have the incredible Max Bemis with us to uh, oh, thank you. basically run through the issue with us, uh, we'll have a bare bones narration, we'll talk a bit about the issue, and then we'll have a retrospective look at Max's entire run on Moon Knight, the whole, uh, like, 12 uh, issues, question mark? I think it's 12. Yeah, 12. All right. Yeah. yeah, and we got some great questions, just plenty of chat about it, talking with the wonderful thank Max you. Bemis, so hell yeah. If there's any time oh, to get your conchu on, it's now, that's all I'll say. Yeah, yeah, Max, that is abs- absolutely an honor, honor to have you. And uh, yeah, and, and this show is kind of like, I guess uh, it is a milestone in the sense as the 200. It's a, it's a celebration, a retrospective, you know, having a look back at your run on Moon Knight. Uh, but of course, you know, looking ahead at what you're doing. Um, sure. Yeah. Mm, mm. So, um, Rebecca, can I, can I ask you to kick off? Let's, let's kind of keep this loose and, you know, just, well, whatever happens, <laughs> I mean, we'll uh-huh. ask Max. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm not going to go straight from your list. Yeah, uh, no, of course, no. No, of course. Cool. Um, because I spent a very pleasant afternoon yesterday rereading some comics, which are very good. First of all, let's get it out of the way. I'm like the biggest pusher of Ghoul Killer on the planet. Oh, that's so I love that's it awesome. so much. Like I, I don't Thank even you. know why I love it so much, but I love it. And uh, when Thank when you. they announced that you were going on to Moon Knight and uh, Ray and Connor were like, "Do we know like much about his yeah. writing?" And I'm like, "Oh my god, he wrote Full Color." Um, so oh, thank you. And I, know, like, uh, I, I know it's probably really one of those little book. weird. Yeah, I mean, it was like I I decided to try all of the little Deadpool. Uh, yeah. Once that came out of it, and that was the only one I stuck with, and um, and then of course I realised you'd run worst X Men ever, worst X Man yes. ever, which is also yes. lovely and charming. And I I need to thank you on behalf of all the Bucky fans in my life for <laughs> for writing the Who Didn't Want Bucky Back, Bucky yes. Ross. Thank you. Um, thank you. It uh, it certainly sold a few issues. I think just that line. <laughs> <laughs> but it, but it's also quite something to. If people haven't read it, you should go read it. Yeah. Both of them, actually. They're both really good little mini runs, uh, So which means you get a complete story. And worst X-Men ever, actually, get you've got to write every single X-Team? or all the Yeah, big there's a lot. There's a lot. I think I've plumbed the depth. I mean, like if somebody was going <laughs> so to say, write an X-Book, and, yeah. and you know you've only got five issues, that's the way to cover yes. everything. And it, yeah, he also, no, he was, he was yeah. totally living out my fantasy. Right, of, and and, know, and, and it, that's boy. exactly what I probably would have done. It's like, no, I need Iceman in, and no yes. Cyclops can be in there and be a dick. And, <laughs> yes. Um, and, and also the uh, not having continuity part was, like, the best part of that. because Right, you know, and, like, and then you've got to explain for... Marvel's wacky continuity yes. just by yes. making yes. it decent like explainer that was very uh, that was very clever max i thought that was uh, a yeah it was it was a really cool way to to do it and as rebecca said all the x titles really cool to see i love the little Iceman hand in the bucket (laughs) i i I just read it recently uh yeah but um yeah rebecca did you have any yeah so while i was reading those and obviously moon knight's on my mind as well i thought that 
I think it's really interesting how you use the narrative voice a lot. And yeah. all, all of your characters seem to be able to combine, well, all the books, not the characters necessarily, seem to be, be able yeah. to combine a sense of sort of either sadness or slight cruelty, depending yeah. on who, but also yeah. with this incredible empathy as well oh, and the sense of humour. And I wondered if that's very much something from just, if that's just, just you. Yeah. Like, your sense of humor. I think, I think with with these characters that you're mentioning, uh, you know, all of the Marvel books I've done have been some version of myself. Um, I think they basically kind of perfectly cast me. You know, like mm-hmm. yeah. In, like, who knows where it could have gone? But in terms of like, you know, up to Moon Knight, um, I think I was basically cast perfectly. I mean, Bailey from. X-Men was based on uh, my own creation and very much so is sort of like a younger version of me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Fool Killer, you know, uh, again, someone... I, I think it's something that... that I don't know. I wasn't ready yet to write a comic about someone who is like my polar opposite and focus on yeah. that. I think I've, mm-hmm. I've done it in the past. Uh, but they're still on... very distinct. I mean, like they're, they're not... Like, you wouldn't yeah, see Bailey, Bailey growing up to be Greg. No, that's, that's no, not no, what you I would mean. not. Mm. I no. just mean that, that they all have that. They have that quality, though, for sure. And and I think there's, you know, there's archetypes and, you know, the sort of, like... Uh, they all I have that kind they're... of, they're all a bit self-deprecating. They all seem to yes. understand. The, yes. What I meant about the narrative structures, they all seem to understand themselves in a way. For like sure, even, very self-aware. Even Bailey, yeah. Yes, and I, I, was, I, I think that's what I meant about you sort of pulling on from them. From even things I feel like... like the comics in general are, are that I do are in a way kind of can even suffer at times from being extremely self-aware. And I think it's something that either love or hate about my writing or even if you love me, there are times you're just like, oh, God. But still, <laughs> you know, it's like I think I think it's kind of what I have to offer as as a creator is is that, I guess, self-awareness. You could call it or trying to be self-aware at least. Yeah the attempt yeah no, and, and there is a i mean there is a um yeah there's in a, well, i don't want to say similarity but there is a, a, a definite style to your writing which is really um really cool uh so with it with the x-men um worst x-men uh, ever uh, as you mentioned with with Bailey, uh, there, there are all these, uh, I guess, nods to a lot of uh, subcultures in society, yeah. which you see eventually happen. Uh, we see it in Moon Knight and and in the collective. I think there's issues one ninety six, one ninety seven with Maurice and and uh, the band yep. that kind of get together. Uh, but yeah, it's um, is that something that you actively kind of look to to write about or is that something that kind of really just yeah. germinates from your writing uh because it's well, very yeah very prevalent in in like polarity um yes. and, and worse worse x-men ever as well polarity was brilliant i read i read oh, that and you. and i'd loved it. it was it was all you know there's a little bit of scathingness towards certain bits of society yeah. it's just it's just really yeah. cool yeah so sorry sorry yeah, well i'm kind of lucky enough to like be the age right now mm-hmm. of like most superheroes uh, mm-hmm. or like you look at the kind of age that they're trying to have them be and like you know sometimes they're in their 20s but like like Peter Parker like they're like early 30s I mm. feel like a lot of these dudes yes or late 20s and so I basically 
by writing at least in superhero comics by kind of like examining some of these cultural things i think it's mostly because that's what these superheroes would be dealing with if they were really people you know i think yeah you know, if I if 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 Mark Spector was like a twelve year old boy, a lot of these things would like not be really applicable to him. Or, mm-hmm. um, yeah. you know, Bailey is closer to that age, so I tried to have him deal with things that someone who's younger in high school nowadays. I do think the framing uh, for a character is really important, mm-hmm. and it makes it relevant to some degree. And as long as you don't make it so that it can get dated, I feel yeah. like. You know, because there are comics that I feel like that were written in, let's say, the 80s or 90s that are some of my favorite comics. Yeah, and yeah. Some of them, it feels terrible and dated. And sometimes <laughs> you're like, oh, this is a commentary yes. on what's going on at the time. You know what I mean? So I feel like as long as it's something that can be parsed at a later date or applied to a different like age. Yeah. Then, yeah, you should totally write about it because these things are like recurring. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, like again, take Bailey, for example. Um, I'm, I'm just, just thinking in my head, um, from the, the issues when he kind of gets, um, almost seduced by mystique, you know, and it's being that age and she's trying to find out what he's like, who he's kind of into, you know, and this is all, all I think typical of young teenage boys. So it was really good. I thought it was a really good, uh, depiction of, of someone that age, you know, um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I still remember it. I'm like haunted from that age. That was like my worst age in life. I still, I've gone through like the hardest year of my life this year. Yeah, yeah. But I still feel like Bailey's, Bailey's age was the worst. Like for, for you know, like between 14 and 16 yeah. or 17. I, I forget how old he was. I think he was like 16. I think. It was, or maybe he just turned 18. Right, right. 17? I thought he was, I thought he was younger. I, I right. don't remember a lot of things from yeah. my comics. Yeah, come, he seems quite young. To understand. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's an amorphous teenager is the point. Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, that was... So, was it that, that, that. that obviously, was it that awkwardness of around that age that made it very difficult for you? Oh, yeah, totally. It's just yeah. like a... You know, it's weird. Like, I had a... Uh, atypical sort of tortured uh teenage years because i was actually sort of uh i guess you could say i wasn't uh i was actually one of the more popular kids in my school Mm -hmm. uh because of my band i was like that i was like that dude in the band so like uh, you know (laughs) but i was very 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 morally uh outraged by a lot of what i saw going on there was a lot of dark stuff going on in my high school so i had like Mm -hmm. the mentality of like a guy was essentially picked on and bullied every day there was some of that by the way of course no matter what group you run with you're gonna get Mm. some of that but it was it was it was like my inner alienation was so strong yeah that it didn't really matter i was typically uh you know what one would call like a geek or something because i was a geek in my tastes you know what i mean the things i liked were it's just that those things were becoming cool you know what i mean like yeah punk music like the punks were no longer like ostracized they were like becoming the cool kids at school so it was like a weird it was a weird transitional phase okay i'm just just curious max were you like in high school were you like a bit of a like a troublemaker for the for the teachers like were you a bit of a a, a, yeah yeah talk back and stuff like offensive not Uh offensive just like didn't pay attention always Ah, working on like 
on stuff for my like uh, my band like i would just be drawing flyers in class (laughs) writing and coming up with my own stuff i i people i just am like laughing uh Mm. but i was never like a like a delinquent right necessarily which i think is awesome not just put that down i wish (laughs) i think i was probably the only delinquent i think i was the only. (laughs) oh rebecca's had a very colored (laughs) colored past yeah i looked up to them i related to them a lot more yeah. I had a very, I had a very troubled tween life, and uh, my mom died when I was eleven. Mm. So, oh, uh, yeah. and then I got sent to an extremely rich boarding school. So, yes, yes, uh, I mean, with a broad the, Yorkshire accent and no idea. What... Yeah, but I, but it was, but I, I I didn't get into, I didn't get a lot of trouble for it. But I was a total delinquent, um, and uh, in a lot of. But everyone let me off because of my mom, and so mm-hmm. I, d- I got away with it a lot. Yeah. Uh, t- Tommy. Uh, sorry. Sorry, Max. Oh, no. I was just going to say that's rough. Yeah, yeah. yeah it is, but there's nothing you can do. You know, it's just like, it's life, isn't you it? You killed I mean, it. Here you are. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. right? It, yeah. I, you, you do realize when you're my age that sometimes these things make you who you are. Yeah, oh, in, of course. Absolutely. And like, Thank uh, God. You know, Thank yeah. God. Yeah. yeah. We have a vast demogra- demographic, uh, Max. We have uh, Connor as well. Like, I, I just want to put it out to also Connor and Tommy. Like, I'm just curious because it's it always uh, I don't know intrigues me how you see people today like like yourself, Max. You know, um, uh, writer or a comic musician as well, and just kind of imagine how they were at school and like kind of relate that to when you're at school, like what sort of groups that would be in. It just, it just, uh, it always intrigues me. So like, um, like Tommy, you're, you're a teacher now as well. Um, how were you, were you, were you studious at school? A bit of a rebel? Yeah. I mean, the, the tradition goes that if you're a teacher, you were probably, you know, doing okay in school, but, but you know, I was the average kid and I was, Honestly, Max, I identify with you quite a bit because we're about the same age. Um, yep. You know, I, I started listening uh, to Say Anything with your second album. Uh, I think this came oh, out about the that. time that I graduated from high school. But the, um, cool. I'm sorry, I'm going to be so terrible right now. I'm forgetting the name, but it's the the boy that can be anything. The... Or the... Oh, is a real boy? Yeah, is yeah. a real boy, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I think uh, like Shishka's or Shiksa's on that, and um, it is. Uh, uh, that's the one that they they. Yeah, that's the one. That's often the converter. Yeah, yeah. and so uh, anyway, so and and I had uh, I was in a couple bands in in high school too, and you know we phased out, and then a couple bands in college as well, and you know it was it was mm-hmm. a bunch of bunch of fun, but. Um, so I had a, I had a little bit of that in me, but I was pretty much the eh, class on time. I also like Rebecca, uh, went to a, like a private high school, but in Metro Detroit, Michigan. Um, mm-hmm. and so, you know, there was a little bit of slacking, but I mean, I'm an English teacher now, you know, nice. <laughs> I, I love I, that. I pretty much played the straight and narrow, but, but, uh, at least when it comes to comics though. You know, it's just very quickly. It's I, I love that I was, you know, I read comics when I was in high school a bit and then I got back into it in college and then dropped for a while yeah. and I got back into it in my adult life. But now as a point of connection with my students, um, it's it's just fantastic because I, I have such fascinating conversations with students from all different backgrounds. 
revolving around comics. And, and a lot of that honestly has to do with the MCU and, and the DC universe that's coming around, but it's great because I can push them in. And I, and Max, I got to say, uh, you picked up a couple issues uh, because I told my students to buy your comics. So, yeah, oh, yeah. you know, thank awesome. you. Please, we need the young ones. You know yes. What I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah. Definitely. And, and Connor, um, you were a, a truant, I, I'd imagine. You were a trouble <laughs> for a lot of the teachers, oh, I'm sure. First two years of high school, I fell into a really bad crowd, and it ruined me for a while. I saw a psychologist from like age twelve up to. Last oh, wow. year, oh, right. I had a pretty rough goal, but but you know, and yeah. put a bit too much pressure on myself to do well in school. But yeah, yeah, you know, I got out of it alive somehow. I'm doing okay, I guess. That's yeah. the important thing. Comics. Getting exactly. out. Yeah, exactly. And it, it's yeah, it's right. It's, it's trying to trying to make sense of you know where you fit in and and um and what's important in life as well. So that's um that's really good. Well, Max, also as well. Uh, look. We're not doing an Isla Ra. We did a, a fantastic Isla Ra with Jason Burrows, uh, artist yeah. on Moon Knight. Uh, awesome, awesome fellow. We took him over to, to the island and uh, we asked him to choose four of his Desert Island books. Now, I remember when we were kind of chatting, Max, as well. Um, so I wanted to actually yeah. just throw it out here anyway. Um, you, you gave me your island, island books, your Isla Ra books. And I've got down here, uh, well, they're kind of like... They're kind of like vast, right? So they encapsulate the the um, the arc. So we got Preacher, uh, Invisibles, Ultimate Spider-Man, and uh, and Finder. So I guess in a very compact version of Isla Ra, um, let's start with Preacher. What what makes Preacher a very like a, a very important comic book for you? Oh well, uh, it completely changed my life. I think it was one of the. I remember reading it when I was like twelve or thirteen. Yeah. years old and like my parents obviously didn't know that uh it was <laughs> up. um so i got to read it and i read it as it was coming out um and it you know it was like my first exposure to i think before that it was around the same time i was reading sandman but like mm-hmm. garth and this is so much different than neil gaiman it's like so much less lyrical and more mm. Know, direct it's something that like a 12 year old bull can really latch on to and yeah. um you know even though it's so completely dark uh, yeah. it's like it's immediate so i i felt a kinship in that kind of storytelling um and uh i feel like the values are good you know that's yeah. really rare uh where you can be that messed up of a storyteller uh and still <laughs> give kids something to I remember looking up to Jesse and like still feeling like he was a flawed character, especially mm. as I grow older, you look back and you read it over and you're like, okay, he was not like, you know, he wasn't a perfect guy by any means, kind of a dick, yeah. but like, you know, a lot of similarities that now as I, grown man, I kind of look back on it and I feel, you know, like a kinship to that character. And, yeah. And, and, you know, it's, it's a completed story. It's a story that's really entertaining. So if you're stuck on an Island, like you would just kind of like, it both has like a familiar warmth and then like a completely, it would like, you know, mm. stimulate you to some degree. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's pretty weird and jacked up. And then like, <laughs> uh, what was the second one? Uh, Invisibles. Is it Invisibles? Yeah, that's yeah. my favorite. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, that's like my Bible. Yeah. Pretty much. 
church. Like it got me back into spirituality and kind of uh, defined my lack of politics. <laughs> uh, you know, when I when I basically, you know, because there was a long time I was basically just like, I'm just going to live life uh, and not really define it as anything uh, which quantify or explain mm-hmm. uh, in terms of like what I believe or what I want for the world just like i'm just gonna like try to do my best uh and then i read invisibles and i was like okay uh not only can i like explain this but there's an entire comic based around like basically exactly what i believe yeah and it helped me learn some other things that i didn't really think about that i later applied to my life that literally like helped me um become a better person so every time i read it i find new things Mm -hmm. um and uh, I feel like, you know, if, if I ever felt down or if I needed to be, like, invigorated on the island, mm-hmm. <laughs> so to speak, I would just reread Invisibles. Yeah. So, so, you, um, so you reread these uh, regularly, same lot with Preacher as well? I do. Yeah. yeah I'm cool. actually rereading Preacher right now. I'm due for Invisibles. I reread Invisibles, like, every five years or something like yeah, that. Yeah, cool. Um, yeah, I'm a big rereader, like almost to a fault, like especially with comics. Like I've read a lot of my favorite stuff, sometimes over new stuff. Yeah. To the point where I like fall behind really drastically oh, in yeah. like, superhero books. It sucks. Yeah, you're yeah, yeah. that's, that, uh, that's, but I, that's the problem so we're all having. Yeah. 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 It's hard. Yeah. Yeah. It, there's a, there's a comfort hard, to it. It's like, it's like going to comfort food. It's like something exactly. you know, but, and exactly. you know you're going to enjoy it and. I've always re- I, I started reading really late, so I read things a lot. Mm. Yeah, like you them. gotta like add to the comfort food thing, so you want to discover new comfort food that can later yeah. be reread. Yeah. yeah, but it's like a, that duality, you know. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so so cool. definitely. And uh, and then we have you know obviously one of the big two, Ultimate Spider Man, is your yeah. is your other pick. I mean, uh, I'm sure I actually haven't read it, but I've heard it's absolutely phenomenal from. From yeah. everyone, um, and I guess um, that whole run. Sorry, I'm I'm really terrible. That is Miles Morales, isn't it? It is. It is. Yeah. It cha- yeah. it changes at one point into being him. Okay. I will not spoil how, but but it does. Right. Right. It and, does not start out with Miles Morales. Oh, okay. And and this was imp- uh, this is really memorable for you because of uh, and the kinship with Miles or. Uh, no, I think, I think, uh, if anything, I have more of a kinship with Peter Parker, Mm -hmm. who, like, it does start out with Peter, and, uh, I feel like it's really means a lot to me because it is another book I've read a million times, and it's kind of the ultimate comfort food for me. It represents Mm. what I love about Marvel to some degree, and what I love about superhero comics, uh, to, to to an incredible degree because it's really uh you know it it it, it was re- revolutionary when it came out it yeah. definitely like is every spider-man comic that's ever been written but uh but it, and yet it is it fit perfectly so you know i feel like it has that uh it has that it has a really deep intelligence and sense of danger but it also has a um, comforting quality it is yeah, it's a Spider-Man book. It's a Marvel book, so you get that kind of like. I feel like Spider-Man is one of the more comforting characters in the mm-hmm. world. So you can yeah. tell that, like, on this island, I'm not going to like necessarily be bringing like 
uh, you know, like <laughs> experimental I, I, comics. Because, yeah. you know, it's just like if you're going to be stuck with, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Some, yeah. some would. Yeah. Sorry, are you still there? Oh, I am. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. In full effect. <laughs> <laughs> In surround sound. Uh, and yes. uh, just finally, also as well, Max, before I, I'll um, – I'll, I'll throw it to one of the other um, co-hosts. Uh, the final one was Finder. And uh, this is yes. the, the one that I'm least uh, familiar with. So what is oh, it? amazing. Yeah, what, what is it about? Give us a, a quick rundown and why it, again, is it important for you. Oh, it's extremely dense mm-hmm. um, and smart. And uh, it's, a, it's also another kind of comfort food book, but in a completely different way. Um and actually, I still have yet to get through this, the like second gigantic collection of it. I just no. I, like it came out in these gigantic omnibus, whatever, like mm-hmm. collections. Uh, so I would bring it because I've sort of read it. So I know it's good. Yeah. The art, art is incredible and I haven't finished it. Uh, so therefore I ha- will have something at least semi new on the <laughs> island to read. Yeah, true, uh, true. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's. Uh, I love. I love how you think. Uh, I, you've you've thought it out on the island. You know. Yeah. I got to have something. Totally. And it's also <laughs> a. It's a female creator, so it's like mm-hmm. a lot less. Um, you know, a lot less balls. You know. Awesome. It's going to be a point where I'm just like, I've had enough. I've had enough of the testosterone, even if it's like yeah. Grant Morrison's testosterone, which is <laughs> pretty enlightened <laughs> balls. <you know. laughs> I'm going to have to um, make a little reference there as well because, again, uh, Polarity Max, uh, one of the things that made me laugh was when Tim goes to Lily, you know, I like you because you've got balls. And she, she says something. Yes. Yeah, and, uh, I don't Females know. can have balls too. Yeah, I know, I know, but it's just Your like... Balls, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yeah, anyway. My wife has balls. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, anyway, uh, Rebecca, Tommy, Connor, uh, you want to ask anything on, on Max's Max's previous runs before Moon Knight? Max, I I I have to admit I'm not super familiar with your previous runs with um you know with Cool Killer, but I can say that when I heard that you were coming on to write this last series of Moon Knight or this last volume of Moon Knight, um. I have a really great relationship with my local comic book shop. And I have uh, Gavin and Deanna that run it. I just, they're, they're great friends and, and they do such a great job. Um, and even they who can find anything, they truly can find anything, have, have had such a hard time finding these final issues of that five run series of Pool Killer. So I think I have issue five and I think I have issue nice. two. It's kind of cool. I feel cool. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like, wow, nice. it's, it's super. <laughs> There. It's like uh, it's like a trading card game or something. But um, exactly. I'm still I'm, miss, I'm, I'm missing a few of those issues, and I just I just want to tell you that mostly because of Rebecca, uh, who has been such a proponent and supporter of that. You know, over Thank the you. first 30, 30 episodes of ITK, um, I've really been trying to, to to find that night. So I'm looking forward to reading it. At least. So, Thank you. Hmm. Yeah, they, it wraps up pretty nicely. All of my questions have to do with Moon Knight. And oh, okay. I think that you are. So I, I, at this point, I don't have too much to ask. But. <laughs> okay. Oh, no. I'm here. I'm here for it. I'm up for it. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, 
Look, uh, I'll quickly, I, I just want to um, add as well, because Max has done a, a lot of uh, just catching up. Uh, I really like also Oh Killstrike. Um, that was, oh, thank you. I found that a very different, like absolutely different run to, I mean, not that all the other ones are the same. I'm just saying that like it's, uh, it had a really light comedic touch to it. Yes. Uh, and... Yes. Uh, I guess first is uh, the the artist Logan Fur. I can't pronounce his name. Yeah, sorry. He's so good. Yeah. So when he collaborated with you, did that mean like did he come up with the plot with you, or was that more the design of Killstrike? No, the plot or... was me, but he totally designed Killstrike based okay. on like on the idea that he was you know the ultimate '90s superhero. Mm. So like you know there wasn't. It's not like I mean you can't. He he totally based that on his own you know what i mean no one yeah that was just like basically i described it he aced it you know um yeah so so no i did the plot uh i've yet to to really collaborate on plot with a co-creator okay right is the thing about me yeah um but i mean except for editors editors especially at marvel um yeah (laughs) because editing is a very serious yeah uh, thing well, if we can, when we'll, it comes to, to, we'll go there. Yeah, if we can, we'll, we'll go there, uh, especially with the, I guess the last two issues of Moon Knight. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah, we'll we'll, uh, we'll be heading there as well. Um, look, for, for loonies that don't know, Oak Hill Strike, it's out by Boom Studios. Uh, it was it was a, a few years ago, and as Max said, it was based on a really funny premise of this guy wanting to get this 90s comic from his mum's place because it had gone up in price because it was so bad. It had been burnt and destroyed by everyone that it actually became rare. So he wanted to go to his mum's place, went up into the attic. For some reason, uh, Killstrike comes to life. And and the closest I can liken Killstrike to Max would be, I guess, Drax from the movies in Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, This big, lumping piece of, you know, muscled meat um, who slightly <laughs> slightly add a touch with, with the world uh, and he just enjoys, he only knows killing and um, yes. basically killing and, and vengeance. Yeah. And yeah. like boobs. I and boobs, boobs, yeah. Are... That's it. Um, yeah. yeah, and so it's a really fun tale. It's very, um, we, we'll talk about it again as well. Like Max, you do uh, inject a lot of humour into into your stories, into your um, and and there was some music, uh, not music. There was some humour in Moon Knight as well, but with Oakley Strike yes. for me, I found that came to the forefront, uh, and it was for sure. Yeah, there were moments there where literally, uh, I, I mean, I don't often laugh out loud, but um, <laughs> while reading, because I, then I just look like a <laughs> like an idiot. But um, <laughs> but at home, it did bring a smile. You lol. L- I L- 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 almost lol. Uh, that's it. I almost. That's cool. Uh, I, I, love, I love that. <laughs> yeah. So Oak Hill Strike is is was a really good thing. Very different. I thought. Um, but yeah, I, I guess I wanted to ask. Uh, uh, was it a like a uh, a love letter to obviously a love letter to the nineties? And w- are, are you a big fan of the nineties comics? I was. You know. I mean. I feel like. Uh, they have a lot of importance to me, and I think they have a lot of importance to comics in general. Mm. Um, you know, th- they were the first comics that I really got into because me and my friends like collected Spawn and like, mm. you know, I would go to Golden Apple in LA and we would get like, you know, Wildcats, Spawn, Young Blood, 
you know, the works, mm -hmm. and, like Witchblade, the first, you know, yeah, and, yeah. and I feel like it was just every time you bought one, you felt cool. Every time you bought one, you're like, yeah, bought number one. So I just feel yeah. like, you know, the joy I got from buying those comics definitely later, or later, that's the feeling I would get when buying some pretentious comic that I, you know, now like. Yeah. But, um, but I, they definitely helped me, uh, fall in love with the medium. And, and yeah. I think it's important, even though a lot People, it's become like this thing where you're like, or a lot of people have decided that this is like the worst time in comics mm -hmm. history. But mm -hmm. uh, but in reality, as long as it kept people interested, it, it you know, image came out of that time. Yeah. Like a lot of you know, creator agency, and then also like Wildstorm as a company, uh, yeah, is, is the root of so many great things about. Know, superhero comics in general and that came out of that time like if it wasn't for wildstorm you wouldn't have the authority and you wouldn't yep. have all those create warren ellis and all these creators coming up and doing that kind of writing so i feel yeah. like and even alan moore like wrote spawn and grant morrison so it's like oh, okay. there was this weird crossover yeah like they like there was this weird crossover with with like all the best writers like alan moore did supreme mm -hmm. so um so I think even those writers recognized that there was something special about that. And, you know, it's carried over like the edginess yes. was later sort of claimed yeah. by, by people like me who can now incorporate edginess without hopefully it being as cheesy. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah. Less, less pouchy and, uh, yeah, a little, yeah. a few less pouches. Just like, I think, you know, I, th I, th I don't know. I, I think the edginess is now tempered with kind of like, a, a more modern realization that other people yes. exist, and you don't have to. Yeah. It's kind of like angry teen boy. You don't have to really kill them. You don't <laughs> yeah, necessarily and, kill them. And, and even if you do kill, there's still this kind. Of, I don't know. I think the the world has moved on, and I think that yes. that's yeah, it's exactly why people like say the authority is so important is because it's the ideas that people are taking from the '90s comics that were so amazing, and yes. they're now sort of tempering them into sort of something a bit more rounded. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, well, and it's, a bit it's less like putting to other audiences, perhaps. Of course, um, and it's like it's, although it's you know, the I idea behind it. it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and the authority changed my life in many ways. So. Oh, yeah, that's your wheelhouse. Oh, <laughs> it's the first comic I ever read at the same time as my partner. The person oh, I've man. now been person I've now been married to for eighteen years to show my age. Um, <laughs> Was that was the you know because we both read comics individually we both had a full copy a full set of Sandman because mm -hmm. everyone yeah. my age does, um, but as like, they should yes, right, exactly. But the, the authority was was the one that we were like I I picked it up and went oh you should read this and we're like absolutely sort of devoured it as it came out even the ones oh, that I God. even the issues that I now don't like I'm like it was still very important at the time huge huge. Yeah. And it was just the play. It, it was. I think the '90s were a very free way of saying we're going to play with what you had before. Like you had all these nice, sweet superheroes. We're going to mess them up. Yeah. And and now we're getting that kind of combining the two things together. Exactly. I still love the idea of messing them up because um, mm. I feel like the Authority was doing that to the Wildstorm universe. You know what I mean? That's what yeah. Warren Ellis was doing. He was like, these characters are kind of inherently like almost pol politically incorrect in their leaning yeah 
So now the authority was basically him going, okay, but what if it was like a bunch of kind of like open-minded or sort of leftist people doing essentially being as hardcore as the, you know what I mean? And it made you, and it it suddenly made you think like, you know, like is Superman PC and is this like, you know, how how would it be viewed if you didn't come to it? This is my hero. Right. Exactly. It it definitely asked so many questions. Which was groundbreaking. Mm. Um, and so, I mean, like, you know, I, I laugh at about 90s comics, same as everyone else, but <laughs> because, because there was a lot in them that didn't appeal to me. Yeah. But uh, yes. I, still, I still read through the 90s, so I was clearly uh, not, not finding that there wasn't stuff to read. Yes. Who could, uh, who could forget the, the swimsuit editions of um, all your favourite <laughs> Marvel characters? Yes. <laughs> Look, people are calling for them to come back. They just want men oh, in my themselves. God. Yeah. Oh, there were they some men in there like as well. Indie, yeah. You know, it would be like Suicide Girls or something. I feel like they'd try to, like, go yes. with it at this point. It'd be, like, even more American apparel ads. It would be even more yeah. disturbing. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not behind the call for it. I'm like, yeah, that's yeah. Weird. Yeah. something I'm not sadly. I think it's loved. unnecessary. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, just a, a, another couple of things. Just curious about Max as well. Uh, sure. Just with the likes of Lucy Dreaming, uh, which was a really, really cool uh, recent run, five parter from yourself, uh, and yeah. also even all the way back to Polarity. Uh, the story is kind of, to me there's an opening there like there's there's room for telling more is that yes. something that you have ever uh, reconsidered actually returning to either yeah yeah those two specifically for uh for lucy and polarity i feel like at some point i would revisit both of those but mm-hmm. it just kind of depends on the, the demand over time and if people get sick of my face um <laughs> just basically the sound of my own voice no i i think if people still care i will definitely i've i've actually thought about doing a sequel to polarity specifically oh, yeah. for a long time just because it's it was so um it was so autobiographical mm. and like i think obviously following with some spoke to where i all everything i've seen since yes. that time would probably be in yeah uh, for sure absolutely and and again a quick rundown for loonies that don't know polarity basically about a man tim tim woods i think his name uh he uh is an artist um and he finds out that he actually gains and this will sound familiar to some he actually gains uh some degree of superhero powers uh when he actually is under the influence of drugs um so he he will find a bit of crack, or he found a bit of crack in a in a wheel, in a wheelie bin, I think it was, or a, a skip, um, in in an alley, and and he, he had that to 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 um, generate his powers. Uh, you know, he took pills and such like that. Um, but yeah, it uh, yeah, it just um, oh, I've lost my train of thought. I just thought it was um, uh, yeah, it's a it's just he a very, likes drugs. He liked drugs. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> Uh, Tim liked drugs. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I've totally, totally lost it. But um, yeah, it's a very, a very. I would revisit it. I think we were talking mm-hmm. about if I would revisit it. Yes. And I, I definitely would. I, I, most of my other things are pretty capped off. Even like, yeah. Even when I was finishing up Moon Knight, um, and you know, there, there's people always say you can always return to a character, but yeah. 
wanted to finish off a part of my whole was wanting to finish off Moon Knight in a way that like it was its own thing yep. and it felt finished. Yeah. Uh, and that way, you know, because I, I like reading things in uh, like a book. I, yes. I, it's kind of a mm. I'm known to read a character like for sure. Like I will just read a certain character and continue to read him like Moon Knight. You know, mm-hmm. I've read everything that's come out, but I think each run should kind of feel like its own little mini universe. Oh, so I feel yeah, like uh, even with Moon Knight, I, I tried to cap it off uh, mm-hmm. in a way mm-hmm. that felt like it was over and then like it's a kind of a different world when someone else picks it up yeah because they can do whatever they want you yeah know what i mean like well and and that's the beauty of moon knight we we say it over and over again as well what we found is each of the volumes are so distinct right and and each of yeah. the writers and creators bring different things to moon knight each time and i think that is so good um i think there'll be nothing worse than just rehashing the same ideas over and over um and so yes. what, the beauty of Moon Knight is that each of them are really, really distinct. Like you've got you've got Warren Ellis, you've got Bendis, Houston, and of course the Jeff Lemire run, which was just recent as well, all focuses on different aspects. Um, so yeah, that's one of the big pluses. And and I think your and we'll get to it now, I guess. Um, uh, I think your Moon Knight run yeah really does close off nicely. It, it does round off really well, um, especially for issue two hundred. Yes. Yeah. So actually, I guess before, I mean, we might as well really get into it now. Uh, so uh, before we do that, we might just take a quick short break. And what I want to do uh, just before we do go off the break, I wanted to give a big shout out to one of the loonies again. Um, and he's in a band called Clerics of Ohm. And uh, and they have a, a song which they have created and wrote uh, specifically on Moon Knight. So they actually write songs on all their favorite pop culture comic book characters and Moon Knight is one of the first songs that they've written. So I, uh, yeah, it's so cool. So I'm going to, I'll, let's play it now and uh, we'll take a short break and we'll be right back.
Hi, this is Dave. And I'm Stu, and we're from the Signal of Doom. We're proud members of the collective, and you're listening to Into the Night, a Moon Knight podcast. Welcome back, everyone. Big shout-out to Clerics of Home. We'll have a link to that in the description. They're on YouTube. Imagine they're on places like Spotify and all those other musical music places of music. So now, it's the big Moon Knight 200 time. We're going to get into a, a bit of review, talking about it, and then the retrospectives. I think uh, the best way to start that off is with, the, sadly not here right now, but the lovely Chad uh, did a little bit of a bare bones. So I'll just... Uh, Pass it away to that distant self being tra- uh, brought here from the nether void. Moon Knight, issue 200. Written by Max Bemis. Art by Paul Davidson. Guest art by Jason Burroughs, Jeff Lemire, and Bill Shinkovich. Color art by Matt Miller and Jeff Lemire. Letter is VC's Corey Pettit, cover artist is Becky Cloonan, and the design is by Nick Russell. Flashback to the Isla Ra, fresh after the clash of the Sun King and Moon's Night. We find a toothless and scorched Mark, briefing Patient 86 about his new lodging. Being a quasi-max asylum, maybe the vet could find absolution there, even after he spits the concept. The truth, in this matter, wants help as well, and inquires politely about his own placement, cellmates with his pyrokinetic comrade. At the asylum, garbed in jumpsuits and beige cardigans, the group therapy begins. What starts as a simple assessment on the entire event on the island, and even Mark, the longer the yarn rolls on, we find the Sun King unnerved and agitated by the verdict until the finale. Meanwhile, Truth sits as a mountain of solemnity. He has no excuses to make. Right after a heart-to-heart between supernatural juggernauts, Uncle Ernst swings open the hatch to the cell, bested by society sinners. Old money, old school, old tricks. Flash forward to the gentrified streets in the snowfall on Bedford Avenue. All-star adorned 86 gives way to a bull-rushing mark in combat boots. Knight takes King to the ground, but they're playing the same colors here. Sliding his hand, the Sun King immolates society miscreants. Flaming hand outstretched, no masters here as the crazy in Mark sees the crazy in patient 86. Piloting some beastly cycle, the escaped inmate lets Mark in on Ernst's plan. The escape, shunning his own god, no god and no mercy for the old Nazis. Mark plays ball, but he's still tripping while convinced the bike has angel wings and his fire-toting anarchist is a wildebeest. 
The makeshift moon cult from Isla Ra is on parade to Marlene's, headed by Mark and her previous kidnapper. That she immediately hits square in the eyes with Mace. While the loony bin guards Sun King, Marlene and Mark talk this out, but Mark is given an artifact of great power before an actual plan is hashed out. Deatrice hands her father a handmade comic, starring her family. In this continuum, Moon Girl continued her father's work. Obviously restocked in his power of crazy, the boys are back in town with the Hell Carrier bearing down on their position. A wave of hyper-violence goes full tsunami as our inmates take ground against the machinations of malice. Such violence that it even makes K-Man a tad uneasy. From street to crashed carrier, the white-garbed misfits annihilate the Ernst Inquisition, led by a hierarchy of madmen. During this onslaught, Patient 86 tries to give a look into his life, just a glimpse into how he was manipulated into what seemed like the only path to take, straight into the hands of the truth. Pumped full of some blue ink, a sick venom as it's called, of mind control, pours into the muscled maestro. The effect of the ichor revealed by the psychotropic barrage of its timeline. A Nazi artifact that can but weaponize mind control across mediums, creating a tainted meme which, given nearly a century to stew and corrupt, has led here. Mark realizes the far-reaching effect across his own timeline, and exactly how humanity has suffered from this cancer. In a surge of heroic fury, Mark, led by a vestigial ghost of Jake Lockley, unleashes a punishing assault on the tattooed titan. Wrapping the marionette in its strings and stunning it the blast of blue controlled by a shade of Grant. Without a wasted at a second, Mark closes the gap, jumping to slam the truth prone with a meteoric kick while channeling Conchu's wrath. In a brutal final act, the fist of Conchu severs the hold on Truth's psyche, snapping him out of the trance through a vicious compound fracture. In celebration and wonder at overpowering these odds, Mark holds his sides in laughter, only a slip in the remnants of blue corruption. Just in time to see her boyfriend make a fool of himself, Marlene bursts into the chamber, sound and fury following the blonde dime memo. With a lot of persuasion and tenfold that in mercy, Mark and Marlene work to the conclusion that the deposed Sun King needs a fresh start. Mark, as an escort, shirtless and dazed, patient 86, returns to the asylum. The orderlies ask if this lunatic would like three hots and a cot as well. For once, Mark Spector is fine. He's coming home under the watchful eye of Khonshu.
Thank you, Chad. Thank you, the power of Chad there with his synopses or bare bones of issue 200, a monumental issue here. This caps off Max Bemis' run. Uh, and as we always do at Lunapix, um, we basically, obviously, we, we had Max, do, uh, not Max, we had Chad doing the, the narration. Uh, yeah, and we... We'll just talk about, I guess, the the main things that we we gathered from this, and we actually have a special moment here because we actually have the writer Max here with us. So uh, this will be this will be fun. I know. <laughs> better, better like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, anyone want to jump in first as to what uh, one of the you know one of the themes or one of the things I found quite interesting in this issue two hundred. Okay. Yeah. Uh, look, I'll, okay, look, I'll start Max as well. Uh, okay. How about uh, we have a couple of surprises here, um, and I'm more yes. alluding towards the the awesome cameos by Jeff Lemire and Bill Sinkovich. Yes. Uh, yes. Now, was this? Uh, how did this come about? Like we spoke earlier about editorials and and uh, you working with the editors, yeah. was it something that you requested, or was it something that they said, Max, okay, look, we're going to have this in the two hundred issue, and you pick kind of a, yeah. a, a page? How did it come about? I think it was like a mutual decision that might have originated with me mm-hmm. um, because I was talking to Bill on Twitter mm-hmm. um, because we follow each other, and that's what's comic creator life is really cool on twitter because you know it's kind of a small world so mm. you know the fact that he's like the seminal artist and that i was currently writing the book we sort of linked, linked up yep and i was like would you and he was like <laughs> yeah wow so I, I basically they had my editors reach out to him uh and then i kind of wrote that in and it just happened to fit with something that you know I actually already really wanted to do in the final issue, which was like the diatrist art. Um, So, uh, you know, and Jeff's is so important. His run is so important to my run and he's such an important creator to me. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I think, and then I think, you know, they probably were already planning on, or may have even mentioned that they wanted to get multiple uh, artists on the book. So I think, a mutual decision and it's one of those things that like, you know you kind of tend to do in the 200th issue yeah, yeah. or like any any hundredth issue of any yeah. long-running superhero yeah. book what, what an honor too and and just to clarify yeah, is, is Bill sure. uh Shinkevich and uh max of course i meant that for you what an honor to write yeah. for the 200th issue but just to clarify is is bill Shinkevich's credit the final uh, like the splash page. page, yeah, yes, okay. right, and then uh, it's because Lemire, geez, hold, am I reading this right? Lemire did two thirds of the issue, and Burroughs did roughly the first third. Uh, Lemire just did one page, the one page, yeah, um, but uh, it's an important one, and he's emulating yeah. Diatrice's uh, art, yes, yeah. It, it's a splash page wow, showing. Okay, jeez, yeah. boy, that's okay. Because that's um, first of all, I have I, that was one of my questions. Is it dietrus? Dietrus. Dietrus. I keep on calling it dietrus. Oh, dietrus. Yeah, it is. It is dietrus. And I, I, yes. I absolutely have a question about that in, in a moment. But um, 
Of course. I was super curious about that because, you know, look, knowing Burroughs' art, you know, I, oh boy, I, I see it so clearly in these first couple pages, these, these Isla Ra pages. And then with Ernst and, and uh, um, mm-hmm. I'm not going to say the French. I'm an English teacher at the <laughs> Sadist group. But then, yes. then it, it does change. And we have and, and I was just so curious. Is that still Burroughs? Because it just seemed like the the quality of the characters changed in such a way. But but so thank you for clarifying that. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it changed. Um, yeah. And, uh, but no, I, it was an honor completely to write the issue as well. Like I, I definitely acknowledge that. I mean, I feel really lucky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you gave such great credits to, um, your predecessors too, you know, like oh, they're the, amazing. Oh boy. Yeah. I'm blanking on it now, but they're the, the Dr. Lemire. Oh man. Yeah. Oh uh, yes. Out loud. Yeah. I laughed out loud, but, but in just like, wow, that's I so laughed cool as well. that you had, yeah. you had that humility and, and it was so cool. So. Yeah, that was really cool. Sorry, I got a question about um, uh, the Sun King. Yes, uh, I laughed like super hard at the second page, like the four panels going down. Was yeah. this always a plan to have him kind of become good by the end of the run? Like, was this no. the end game mm-hmm. the character always? Definitely not. Um, a lot of what I do is. Uh, improvised uh as a writer um and with marvel and uh you kind of have to um think a few issues ahead but going into the run i kind of had no idea it's something that i've become weirdly uh disciplined about as being kind of a method writer i try not to write from like outlines or anything like that so unless i really have to i i don't really know what's going to happen Cool. Uh, there might be a few things that I know, or uh, maybe it emerges over time. Uh, but you know, actually, the I have a friend uh, who I, ha- I was going through this whole thing, which you know we'll explore, I'm sure, at some point when we get more into it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had a friend, and I realized that he reminded me so much of Sun King. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and I'm all, wow, like uh, I'm like. I wanted to, to uh, I was going through sort of stuff with this friend and I, and also coming to a lot of realizations about, uh, well, what Sun King represented being less of a threat to the world or to my own life than I thought it was at the beginning as a, mm-hmm. uh, cause when I first started writing the book, you know, what I saw as kind of the nemesis of good mm-hmm. kind of, by the end of the run morphed into something that was more like a tangential sort of like spice or flavor of mm. life, uh, as opposed to like this arch nemesis. So I kind of was like, wait a you know, like things like Ernst came up where I'm like, well, he's way worse. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and yeah. Yeah. So actually, cause, um, again, casting back, I remember Connor and I picking apart the article where it was the first interview, I think that you had, uh, with Marvel about, you know, about the yeah. Moon Knight series coming out. And you mentioned something about Moon Knight. He'll finally get his kind of like Joker, um, in a version. Yeah. And so we were, obviously we thought, okay, it's obviously the Sun King because, you know, the moon and yep. the sun was opposite. But as we read it, yep. as we read the series, Ernst started kind of, uh, topping him yeah. as the nemesis. And so there was a bit of a discussion within our group as to, okay, so who is meant to be the Joker? Is it is it Ernst or is I, it, I yeah. Think, 
or is it the like truth? Uh, yeah. I mean, anyone could be, but I feel like I feel like uh, I feel like it is Sun King. Mm-hmm. But I feel like in the end, you know, one of the things that we were talking about going into this was, you know, Moon Knight similar to Batman and wanting to give him a rogues gallery, yes. a little bit more solid of a rogues gallery. I mean, anyone who's into Moon Knight kind of knows his rogues gallery, but yeah. like. Um, to the new to new readers, you know, like Bushman is kind of like one of the only few people who you can like think of initially. You know yes. what I mean? You're like, boom, Bushman. Yeah. So and he's like was out of the picture, so we were like, um, you know, we want to give him a Joker. So I feel like Sun King is that, but in the end, they kind of became friends because it isn't Batman, it isn't the DC mm. universe, and mm. Moon Knight is not. To me, Moon Knight does not have actually that much in common with Batman and Batman except for like yes. their uh, pa- they're like not not their abilities and sort of superficial resemblance but um, yeah. so I feel like in our we're world friends. maybe you're here yes <laughs> I mean I think he could that, that was our could. one reference yeah that's it one yes, Batman I, reference per episode <laughs> <laughs> I feel like he could you know I feel like in, in our world the, these two polar opposite characters could actually like have some kind of an alliance and i think that's kind of like a marvel thing like there's mm. a lot of like mm-hmm. cohabitation in the marvel universe yeah. with like different people with different identities and stuff like that so it, it makes a very interesting um case of how writers in the future will will handle the Sun yeah. king as well which i find quite exciting similar with all the other uh, the characters that you have actually created during this run as well. Thank um, you. Yeah. So it, it it really does kind of, yeah, I mean, it, it really opens it up as to what you can do with them. Um, so, uh, yeah, very, very cool indeed. Um, Thank you. Now, Ray, if I can just add on to this uh, yeah. briefly. Um, so, Max, with, with Ernst, with, uh, let's see, issue 199, maybe it was 198, I know that in 200... When Moon Knight and Sun King have their interaction, and uh, Moon Knight tells Sun King that he killed Ernst, I yes. When mm. I when I saw that panel, when when uh, Mark was in the apartment of that New yes. Yorkers, yeah. and, and I saw that as Mark just like castrating Ernst, but he did does he kill he, him. Did he kill? I him? think I think we left it to the point where it was actually a heart attack. Okay. In, in my interpretation, okay. um, that killed Ernst, but I think he would, probably wouldn't have had it if he wasn't, you know, stabbed in the jump. Uh, <laughs> and then also, you know, like whatever, I think we were more so just, you know, Moon Knight's whole thing with killing is so, like, ambiguous. Mm. So I think we were just more so going you know, he, he orchestrated or had something to do with Ernst's death. You know, he, like, it's why I yeah. think he says, I kind of killed him, too. You know, because um, he didn't exactly yeah. cut his throat, which he should have. I would have. But, um, <laughs> just, um, no, he, he was I, definitely the, behind it, you know? Okay, because I, I, that was the sticking point for me, because reading your series, I was, I was really cued into this idea that, all right, Moon Knight's going to have his Joker. Uh, you know, Bemis yeah. is going to is going to create this character that's going to be not just the antithesis of Moon Knight, but it's going to be like truly just this like creepy, spooky, yes. cryptic. And so I thought, all right, Sun King, awesome Egyptian mythology. And then I saw mm-hmm. the truth, and I thought, 
wow, a super powered, maybe he's an inhuman, maybe he's a mutant, we don't know. But then the surprise of Ernst after the first arc was like super powerful. Mm. And I, 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 I really enjoyed Ernst's character as this person that Mark trusted in his childhood that ultimately would destroy Mark's life, you know, if Mark didn't have the individual yep. in his adult life to help him piece it back together. Uh, you know, Indeed. no pun intended there. But, huh. but, but to that point, I, I, I saw Mar- or, or Ernst, I should say, as this kind of eternal character. If, and, and so I started wow. thinking like, okay, Ernst is going to be the Joker. Ernst is going to be the one that, you know, a hundred years from now is going to be the one that's coming back like Dark Knight's Metal from some other universe. Nice. And it's going to be Ernst that, that, that's the one because he is the antagonist. And I'll tell you what. And I don't know if this is your credit. He, or he definitely is the antagonist credit. of his life. Uh, well, yeah. He's right. like, I feel like right. if, if anyone could be pigeonholed as like the guy who, who honestly, uh, Mark is up against uh, in terms of the effect on his life, it'll always be Ernst because Ernst was the one who hurt him as a child and basically is created the core trauma that, you know, caused him to split. So it's like, right. or, or contributed towards the split. So I think, you know, ultimately he'll carry around that pain for the rest of his life. So I think there's something to what you're saying. So to whether he's alive or not, or they bring him back or they don't bring him back. I mean, he's still, you know, if you want to see him as a joker, I think that that interpretation is definitely valid um, because he certainly he's 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 the thing that Mark feels, you know, makes him less than other people. Right. True, but I, I felt it was um, really powerful to actually have uh, a Nazi get killed. Mm. Yes, um, yes. So, you know, so, on the other side. So, um, thank you. Good. But yeah, if I he like, gets, I like if doing gets, it. Yeah. <laughs> if, if, I, I'm totally up with him being brought back, but I think for me, the Sun King has more potential because he ended up in this weird sort of alliance because it is something you see happen but not very often right. where they come it's like this like weird mirror for mark and then yes. there is that all the egyptian mythology to play on if someone wants to and um and he could totally go dark again i kind of wanted to set a you know one person who's really great right about, he, he could flip on a magneto. on a dime yeah yes he, he's totally a magneto or like uh even sometimes uh like the kingpin you know, can, yeah. can be an enemy. Yeah. And I like, I like he had a man bun by the end. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. right. He, his tastes evolved. <laughs> yeah. And he had this, he had the Isla raw look, you know, yeah. the Miami Vice. So we yeah. wanted his style to really have its own voice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Max, I'll tell you, it was, the, it, I don't know if this is to your credit or if this is to the artist's credit, but the, it's, yeah. it's the final panel of uh, issue 194, which is where we see yeah. the Ernst massacre in the basement of the synagogue. It's that it's that final panel where, where Diatrice, well, previously, you know, is talking to her now accepted father, uh, or maybe perhaps we should interpret this as uh, the, the surrogate father as Mark, and she. Says something. I I don't have the issue in front of me, but she says something like, "You know, don't let that keep you up at night" or something. Mm. But then right. we see this. We see the eyes of Uncle Ernst, and then we flip to this panel of, of 
mark and he is stuck and he can't fall asleep yep. but he's he's there next to his daughter that's snuggling with him and it's just that oh my gosh max i i know that you're a father but it's just that it's that it's that feeling of of doubt it's that feeling of yeah. oh my gosh i've got bills to pay oh yeah I, I i have things that i i'm not prepared to, to attack tomorrow and here i am protecting my child in the bed and, thank and, you that you is know, exactly ray, what i what i was trying to capture so and, thank you awesome and and ray i know that you now kind of feel this but but Max, i yeah. can't tell you enough like that like oh my gosh that that mm-hmm. not that didn't solidify my love of midnight but it just it, it it solidified my continuing love of moon Knight because it's just oh my gosh i i can't tell you enough it was yeah. that see, that was the moment where i was i knew that for me Ernst was the Joker. If if we have to keep making those, those references, makes complete sense. I yeah. love that interpretation. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. So, so Sun King all the way. I'm all into the Egyptian uh, mythos and, and the Egyptian. He's like he, we have, but, a but, superficial but that, but Joker. Joker. It's like yeah. on a superficial level. Mm. Yeah. It's like he's his personal Joker for like Mark, <laughs> but the Sun King is that more can actually do the whole of moon Knight. yeah you know yeah no, exactly yeah no that makes yeah that makes sense that that issue 194 was quite um yeah that was a that was a really closest to it really set it really turned it was a really dark turn for it um and i think it took me like two months to even talk about it yeah. i was like I can't, oh. I can't talk about it like just yeah. leave me alone oh, yeah it was really really good really intense stuff my gosh, um, and and Max, look, I guess we can lump uh, one ninety nine and two hundred, and what we mentioned was uh, how important these issues were for you, um, and yes. the I guess the subsequent the difference in tone. I mean, a lot of the Looney fans as well. There's been a lot of discussion, particularly of one ninety nine and two hundred, uh, because yeah. it seems to be there, there is a lot of uh, I guess. Uh, well, I'll, I'll let you explain it. It, uh, it was a very, a very dark moment in your life. I mean, I think, I think things went surreal, you know, mm. um, and I feel like uh, that probably uh, contributed to any sort of change in tone. And I feel like um, a lot of the time, some of my favorite comics, whether it be The Invisibles mm-hmm. or um, any of those Vertigo books, like in the last few issues you kind of get bonkers, mm. um, you know, and we didn't have the luxury of having like, you know, a, another six issue arc just as an epilogue. You know mm. what I mean? So I kind of, I really had to like put in everything that I wanted to say in these last two issues completely. Yeah. Um, and definitely. Yeah. I mean, at the time of one ninety eight, I was experiencing like a full mental collapse, mm. um, and by the time we did, or uh, or 199, I'm sorry. And by the time we did uh, 200, and uh, I was really far gone. I wrote a lot of 200, like kind of in bed, shaking, mm, like uh, in like a weird room by myself. Like uh, the edit, the editing process was really harrowing. Um, yeah. Yeah, tell us. I sorry, uh, yeah, about that that'll be very interesting to hear because um, the, yeah. again, very yeah, different yeah. issues. So, how did how did Marvel the Marvel editors kind of how did they factor into it? And well, 
and I mean, the thing is, the the editors are awesome, and they definitely like helped me shape this whole run into something that I'm really proud of. And even these last two issues, like at the end of the day, when I read them, I'm like, wow, mm-hmm. I can't believe we did it. We put mm-hmm. it all together. I was in a terrible place, and you know, good on them for getting it together. But I will say that there was, I I don't think they were used to like actually people with mental illnesses that's mm-hmm. that's how i would put it like mm-hmm, i think mm-hmm. i think i think there's a certain like hunter thompson quality to me that sort of eluded them towards the end of the run right because it was mm-hmm. like i mean i think we, like even listening to your guys um podcast mm-hmm. i feel like the reason people liked my run at all you know there are other runs that did certain things better like warren Ellis's was like action mm-hmm. it was like such a great action and you know, like Jeff was very much so like a heartfelt uh, yes. sort of like emotional journey. And I felt like mine was about ideas and mm-hmm. about uh, spirituality and sort of just, bit, you know, cultural ideas and, and sort of a little bit meta with what Moon Knight means. Um, and it was also about myself. I think I've been really evident from the beginning that it, that it's, you know, Know, kind of like an animal man. it was like an animal man type journey where i basically like mm-hmm. i realized this character was a lot like me that a lot of readers don't understand that or at least the ones who who sort of name name i run on the book um real it's not that i imprinted myself onto mark it's that mark mm-hmm. imprinted himself onto me and yeah. that i knew i was like mark uh from reading moon knight for so long i was like wow yeah you know there's a reason mm-hmm. i've been given this job and it's because i actually am like really similar to this character yeah so so as an experiment i kind of like made i i i let the comic interweave with my own life um mm-hmm. that a lot of my favorite writers in a sort of magical sense mm-hmm. um whether it be grant morrison alan moore um neil gaiman they're like um and i thought you know just because it's a superhero comic doesn't mean we can't do that because when we started the book um the frame of reference was swamp thing it mm-hmm. wasn't like the avengers movie you know so yeah, i think yeah. by the end there's a little bit more call all to make it like a really marvel marvely book yeah whereas i kind of wanted to take it even weirder than it ended up if you right. can believe that <laughs> and it ended in kind of a battle of wills that weird that yeah yeah that's it keep, keep I, that was my philosophy yeah huh? it was my philosophy and i feel like you know um you know to whatever end i i would never everyone's just trying to do their job in the scenario but i yeah. do feel like it was kind of ironic because I, basically you had mark losing his mind in the yeah. book and yeah. then you had me losing my mind in real life yeah, yeah. um and i was having this fight against um what i felt was like a little bit of an iron fist um not mm-hmm. not to be too harsh about it mm-hmm. and so in a way my fight against that got translated into mark's fight so mm-hmm. there's 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 a lot of anger toward towards that yeah. and and things that came out but also it was towards other things that were going on in my life more than anything because my editors are nice guys like yeah th- that i got into that shtick with they're actually nice people yeah mm-hmm. um but in my life, I had I was just leaving my band. The, the source of the breakdown was that I was like mm. basically realized that I was in kind of a toxic environment with music, and I wanted to do comics full time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So 
I basically was in this process of severing. We were canceling a tour. Yeah. Um, I went to the UK and had these kind of like these really crazy shows that ended disastrously for me personally, where I ended up kind of like marooned in the UK without a passport. Oh. So it really was like my family was going through this insane dark time. And, and Moon Knight became my way to fight against that and to bring to be like, you know what, I'm going to make it through. Yeah. Um, the same way Mark makes it through this like really harrowing time in his life. And uh, yeah, um, for 199, uh, even though it's pretty dense and hard to understand, um, um, you know, the thing that I will reveal about it is that uh, Mark's journey through Brooklyn was actually charted out based on when I had my first bike break okay. when I was 19. So I, um, uh, um, I had been like smoke, like doing drugs and had a brain from reality and yeah. um, basically took this weird, crazy walk through Brooklyn. Um, yeah. And so that whole scene um, and it was spurred on by this really weird, dark interaction I had with a friend who like mm -hmm. I later who, who was on, like, I feel like there are several people in my life who I can kind of qualify as burnts. People mm -hmm. who basically, you know, hurt me really badly. So, mm -hmm. like, something like that happened to me. And then I I broke. Yeah. I started walking through Brooklyn and had this really, like, uh, crazy sort of experience that a lot of people describe or have had on psychedelic drugs. Mm -hmm. But it was mm -hmm. actually just, like, it was a lot of it with body chemistry and the bipolar thing, because that's what mm -hmm. I had, like, manic. Um, but Mark isn't bipolar in the sense that I am. He just, I think he skews towards that in his chemic, mm -hmm. it is like physiology because, you know, a lot of the times those things can be like comorbid, uh, with like people who experience like splitting and things like, yeah. like, I think, I think relying the way I read him as a person is he has like depressive issues yeah, and that could easily translate translate into having some kind of like break with reality especially because ernst had um you know pumped him up with yeah mind-altering drugs <laughs> it was basically his in a way I, I felt like he was also kind of taking in my the fact that i was writing it you know i see sometimes i see fictional worlds as real or a parallel dimension yeah mm -hmm. yeah i feel like you know obviously i was reaching out to touch this the marvel universe yeah. you know like if i was contributing to it that meant that it was coming from me so i wanted to get as in touch with it as i could with what was like going on with me and it's not something mm. i i would choose to do on every superhero book obviously but i no, felt I, like moon knight yes moon knight it was apt i felt like i think like it's um story. it's one of the, it's, it's another of those things where the just the period we're right that you're writing in now mm -hmm. it is is affecting the books as well because like you know so much more is understood about mental health now yes than it yes. was in probably any other run of moon Knight. yeah oh, um, yeah thank you that's so mm. true just yeah, um, starting with jeff's run yeah you know yeah like, uh... and jeff did it on a, on a on a different he kind of went at it from a different angle because yours is much more like you said his was much more about very internal mm. And, yes. and yours is having to marry it with the outside world. Yes. So yes. It, it already has that little bit of a break. And then we already understand so much more about what what we know Mark has from canon. Yes. With, yes. like you yes. said, your own personal experience with, like, I mean, I don't know how it feels. My sisters both work in mental health. Mm -hmm. So, like, I have an appreciation of how these things have changed over the last 
even five years mm. um and yep. just because I mean, it's not just it's not just the medical community it's like say i understand so much more about it now so when i go see a friend who who's bipolar i yeah. i understand what i'm seeing mm. like i understand when i knock on their door if they say i don't want to see you today there's yeah. no like yeah. okay it's just fine all right yeah. i'll yes. see you whenever just um and how so, it relates to uh to him yeah because but, like uh, like uh did you know what i mean it could be it's it's more it's more trauma related that's like a personality thing yeah but yeah. Uh, but again, again like i feel like something in you know i kind of hinted maybe there was uh, trauma is also genetic and there yeah like even bipolar can be kind of genetic so like uh his dad and the fact that he's comes from the holocaust that means there's like trauma inherent in yeah. him and I the mean, propensity to like to be yeah like I went to school with a girl whose dad had sure. survived Auschwitz. Mm. Yes, my grandparents. You know, I, yeah, again, this, yeah, and this is like that's the age thing. Like you know, like because it still freaks me out that like, I'm not that old, but a friend of mine's dad. Yeah. Like, he was a very old. He yeah. was a very. He was like a forty-year-old when he had. Was. Yeah, it yeah. Was, it was, and it's yeah. like um, you know, I went to my best friend's dad died recently. He was ninety-four, mm. and like they're talking about him surviving Kristallnacht. And I'm just like, that's crazy. Wow. Like, this guy that I grew up with as a second father mm. actually escaped the Nazis. You yeah. know, and like... And that people my... were doing yeah. and my like that. My, that people my were first... actually yeah. doing. Yeah. Right. And my, my first boyfriend would be like, oh, yeah, my grandma, like, um, my grandma was in a room with um, with Goering. And you're like, this is wow. just nuts. Jeez. So, wow. yeah, she bribed their way out of Germany. Wow. So, like... But, but there's so many, and this is part of like my, my feelings about 194, I guess, is like, it, it, it did tap into that absolute horror of it. Mm. And it's yeah. just a very visceral horror of like, you know, I, I, I went to a Jewish school, so like, obviously we studied it all and blah, blah, blah. Oh, it's awesome. We're mm. immersed in it. Me we too. had like every film about the Holocaust and, and, um. But there is something about like, and I have, which means I've kind of avoided it since on the basis of, you know, I've, I've seen everything I need to see. And, uh, and then coming to like 194 and going like, I know I'm reacting <laughs> to this differently than other people because mm. like, I read it and I just go like, this is, this is just so revolting. Mm. But yeah. so, it Max, works. So, uh, Max, I want to press that a little bit if I can, because, um, I'm, of course. you know, I, I grew up Catholic. I'm, I'm Christian. I, I had a little bit of a crisis of faith in my, I went to a Catholic high school. I had a crisis of faith in my high school years. I started researching Judaism. Um, uh, now as an English educator, I, uh, am a, a Holocaust educator in the sense that I make it a plan to teach some seminal oh. texts to my students and and, and but and, so that the, the the culture of the jewish tradition is very important to me but i, awesome. I wondered too to uh rebecca's point this idea that she's mentioning that her reaction to 194 may be quite different than the average bear you know because of her yeah. heritage because of her ancestry mm-hmm. i do question you have mentioned several times this idea that you identify with Mark, you know, in multiple ways. Um, yeah. One of those being uh, the, the Jewish heritage. Um, of course. And among many others. But I do wonder that you took on this series. Did you feel, I, I guess, first, uh, a responsibility? And yeah. second, did you 
second, I guess, feel a, a need to honor your ancestry, uh, especially as you mentioned, your uh, grandparents who were yes. true survivors of the Holocaust. Did, did you feel that coming into a, a project like Moon Knight, which just brings together so many of these different segmented parts of your, your being, did you feel that yeah. I have to I, I have to do this yes. the right way? I, I am yeah. I have to do certain things to, to honor them as opposed to me. Yes, and actually, you know, that was uh, a big point of contention during my breakdown was that a lot of the stuff in one ninety nine and two hundred is pretty um if it wasn't a Jewish writer writing it, it would almost be like a, controversial to put in a comic mm. so there were some things i had to fight for uh like the idea of you know this you know the creating self-loathing in jews based on like using an alien device um mm-hmm. you know um or or an alien sort of like yeah that's things like that um, yeah and it's like an unidentified thing and like um that was like a big thing that was sort of like where i had to draw my lines and i do see it as like a complete responsibility and a complete uh if you're going to take it seriously you know what i mean i think we took it seriously throughout the run by yeah. even doing 194 yeah um, at all you know by addressing mark's religion um by addressing his mental health instead of making it like you know you can write moon knight comics that aren't focused on his mental health or his his um where he comes from it's just like specter moon knight exactly yeah yeah yep if you do well you 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 can't no i was gonna say you can't write that many that are focused on those because that was that's what makes those ones stand out Mm. yes yes because people still i mean he's still in the marvel universe he still has to go kill bad guys um you know like uh I, I remember, like, with 194, the first thing Connor asked me about it was, like, going, do you really tell those jokes? And I was like, we absolutely do. <laughs> like, yeah. I have, like, hundreds it's... of them that I would never tell to anyone non-Jewish because I they'd know. be like, oh. Yeah, but, yeah, it's, it was it's... like, yeah, it's, it's a thing. Every culture does it, you know what I mean? And I feel yeah. like I basically, you know, I had a sort of ownership. Like, I don't have an ownership over the continuity of the Marvel Universe, but I do have ownership it's sort of like they've done amazing things recently with like, you know, Black Panther, like mm-hmm. having yeah. like act- actually having people having stake in the heritage, like writing about some of these characters. So I felt like, like we should take advantage of this. I mean, I don't, I, I can't say like, I know that there, I mean, there hasn't been, I don't, I don't think there's been a Jewish writer Moon Knight, at least in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, okay, so if they've got me for this, there's actually not that many, like, blatantly, yeah. there's, a, there's probably a good amount, but, like, mm-hmm. less than you would think Jewish characters in the universe, like, yeah. and I happen to get one, you know, who happens to be also crazy, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. so, so why not, not just, like, I mean, if I'm going to do it, I don't want to do it for, like, someone else. It's just kind of like them into my sick will <laughs> of like being so slightly like me. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I wanted it to be somebody. Oh wow, weird! Like this weird. This is you know. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, 
sorry, Tommy, was it, uh, just looking at you mentioning anything more? Uh, I wanted to jump, uh, I mean, anything more with 194, Tommy? Not necessarily. I'm, most of my questions are just about the entire 12 issue arc. So, so okay. please go ahead, Ray. Oh no, I was just going to, oh, sorry, sorry, Connor. No, I just wanted to jump back a bit before, um, when we were talking about 199 and 200 about, um, you know, the stuff you were going through, Bemis. I think you asked, uh, you, you answered one of my questions about why Moon Knight was almost the right book for this and why it mm-hmm. came to yeah. be like this. You spoke about this, but I don't know. I think I want to say almost thanks for those issues too, because you know, I'm someone who really, oh, I'm like, oh, I don't have a, like, obviously not the same connections to you in a lot of ways with Moon Knight, but you know, as someone who suffers from really bad depressive episodes that just crushed me and dealing with my life something about the way it was represented in 199 was so you know oh thank you I'm it was glad so, got it. yeah it was so like um it was so like intentionally messy with the way you saw mark deal with it and the way the world mm. worked around him and the episode yeah. we recorded was great with ray and chad but i'm yeah. almost unlistenable because i can't put it into words but i just i loved how it presented so much it's so nice to have 200 almost be a direct answer and to have such a like a nice conclusion and the way we see oh, thank you. change it that's just... what it was like it was mm. like that in real life and i really appreciate that because i basically had a happy ending you know i'm still as we speak mm. uh reeling from uh the trauma of mm. what i went through and i'm not like by the way like i know i'm sort of as the mentally ill writer guy but like mm. i haven't been through anything like this since i was like 20 it's mm. weird like i have this sort yeah. of reputation for 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 having like an unstable quality mm. but in reality like i've been married with kids yeah and, like pretty good for a long time <laughs> it just so happened that this really fucked me up yeah and um, yeah. i'm still dealing with it but between 199 and 200 in real life like in real life, um, you know, my life turned around and um, yeah. I basically, by leaving my band, it was weird. Like, le- mm-hmm. becoming a comic writer uh, in my own mind and, uh, you know, things that I felt were, like, befitting of a comic writer, one of which was, like, fighting for certain things in the comic against editorial, which I'd never done. I always felt pretty like meek and sort of like scared because mm. it's more yeah exactly they're amazing and it's like it's a big opportunity you don't want to like screw yourself yeah like <laughs> and and it's know, a it's a wide, um, it's a wider fan base as well max so there are a lot of opinions oh yeah exactly yeah there are a lot of opinions out there as well and and i just wanted to say as well for 199 and 200 you absolutely you hit it on the head um, and and thanks for for uh, explaining it uh, about this period that you're of going course. through for one ninety nine two hundred, but also how more importantly you said Mark uh, imprinted himself on you and not the other way round. Yes, and I think because yes. there, there've been a lot of discussions on one one ninety nine and two hundred from from the Looney fans, um, and it's just really it's really enlightening to get a, a greater understanding of where it comes from. Um, and I'd have to just say, you, you cannot be faulted for, for, um, yeah, you, you're sticking to your, to your guns and sticking to your beliefs. Thank you. And although well, you we said, knew, we knew yeah. it would be like, you know, uh, we knew it would provoke, or at least I knew it would provoke people in the way it actually, I think did. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I tend not to, you know, I assume it provoked people in the way that I wanted it 
to in a way, yeah, uh, which was to slightly confuse and yeah. make people feel slightly uncomfortable, and to bring up some of those issues of I wanted people to say, oh, he's putting too much of himself into the uh-huh. into the comic. Like I, <laughs> in a way, I wanted people to to yeah. have that visceral reaction. Holy shit. This yeah. is like reading this guy's diary. Yeah. Like, is this appropriate? You know, like yeah. we're yeah. trying to read a superhero comic because I part of like my journey on Moon Knight had been receiving some criticism, even from the onset of the book of just like, and actually a lot of creators at Marvel were um, yeah. for being like with comics gate and stuff mm-hmm. like that. I was on that mm-hmm. list yeah. of, of creators trying like, being accused of inserting their sort of like social justice warrior politics, mm-hmm. which I like, yeah, yeah, fine. yeah. maybe I did. Good for you. you. Know, like, yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. What do you think um, a superhero is doing? But hey, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, so I basically wanted to say to those people kind of like, yeah, I am, you know, but there's yeah. nothing wrong with that. Cause I, I am a writer, you know, it's my responsibility. And like as a superhero reader and writer, I really do take the character's um, history and the integrity of the Marvel Universe seriously yeah. and would never like um, introduce an idea or evolve the whole um, world. The universe, every Marvel comic is an evolution of the entire, like, yeah, absolutely. this idea that has For been sure. created by, th- you know, of creators or, you know, God knows how many. So I would never, like, introduce like a sort of it is that thing that we examine in the book where it's like a mind you you seed an idea into the world and it actually is like this it could be an anti antibody or a virus so the thing i were was trying to kind of seed into the comic in an abstract way were um they were all positive things and things that i felt people could latch onto in an abstract way yes even if it was even if it was something from my life yeah. um, that could, you would only know if you were me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I no, felt like if yeah. you spoke to someone like yeah. in some weird way, yeah. then, then it was doing its job. Oh, it, absolutely. And, and by having that abstract notion to it, I, I kind of liken it to, uh, you know, like your like, like music and with, with an album, say like you have albums, yes. which are throwaway, which are really good. Like you listen to over and over and over again, because immediately there's something that just you love. But there are other albums as well that, you know, kind of tease out everything, uh, something yes. every so often. And so you return to it yes. because you know you're going to get a different experience each time. And, you know, I can only personally say as well uh, for myself, yes, uh, issues like 199 and 200. Um, for me, there's a gratification there because, uh, okay, because uh, a lot of it probably goes over my head for the first, uh, you know, the first reading. But upon a, a lot of rereads. <laughs> it does it. I'm you know, telling you. Yeah. Like, uh, like, because, like, just, you know how I was talking about the Invincibles um, being my favorite comic. When I first mm-hmm. read, I was like, um, okay, this is so much. This is over my head. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know what the fuck is going on. <laughs> and it's pissing me off. Um, it actually annoyed me. And then I, I but I finished it. Mm-hmm. And then, like, I became obsessed with Grant Morrison, and so I went back and mm-hmm. reread it. Yeah. And I was like, wait a second. It yeah. is like poetry. It's, yeah. it's. If I just like open my mind, yes. and go, go into this sort of like flow state with the book, and yeah. if I'm, I'm on the same sort of in this, if I'm in the right zone, it'll just hit yeah. home like lyrically, and so that, that's cool that you that you saw that. Um, yeah, that's exactly so yeah. the experience. Yeah, it's um, not knowing first, but 
going back at it, rereading it, um, yeah, just like opening your mind, being receptive to all the ideas. It um, it actually makes it yes. a lot more uh, satisfying a read. Yes, thank yeah. you. Yeah, I also think if you go into it reading it as just something to read and yeah. not like trying to make sense of things, you sometimes come up with a better experience, and then you go back. Yeah, and mm. do those totally. I, I guess. I guess. To those of us who we read things a lot, that's kind of natural. I just kind of read things and don't think about it, and then I go back and go like, well, if I've got to talk about it, maybe I should mm. pay a bit more. You know, but, but <laughs> generally, you don't go into a comic and think panel by yeah, panel. Yeah, I wanted that's, no. that's that's true, and I wanted it to kind of wash over people as they read it, like in that way. You know, um, I wanted someone who knew nothing about it to be able to pick it up and like have the imagery just basically affect them. Mm. Uh, viscerally and then if yeah like like you guys are saying if you want to go back and dissect it and you know there's definitely explanations for pretty much everything that mm. you see and every sentence and everything yeah. uh but e- even came out of me because i write in an improvisational way um you know a lot of those things are the language and stuff is is super uh yeah uh, yeah the immediate uh and just are yeah you know, Poet, po- not poetic in like a it's good way. In a poetic and it's just like wanky <laughs> uh, <laughs> way. Uh, uh, you know, that's sort of what I do. But yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, that, that's that's great. Um, uh, again, like we're just bouncing around, like more more like a retrospective. Um, and Re- Rebecca, you've sure. got a, a note here for for one eighty eight. Just wanted to talk about. And Tommy, you've got something here as well on one eighty eight. I wanted to touch upon. Um, so when when it all kicked off, and once Legacy was announced, uh, Max Bemis was announced, and Jason Burrows as the the the, uh, the writers and, and artists for the series, um, one eighty eight came out of the blocks, and it kind of it was. It had a huge impact in a very different way to 199 and 200. Um, Rebecca, you've got a note here as well. We mentioned 188 was widely regarded as one of the best first issues of Fresh Start. Um, or whatever the initiative or was whatever. at the time, whether it was Legacy, mm. Fresh Start, whichever one it yeah. was, when they yep. did the renumbering. Yes. Um, but Legacy, it really was. Yeah. I mean, it was it was kind of incredible because I, I just didn't want us to forget that, that when we start talking about the whole body of work, mm. is when that first issue came out. It wasn't just people like us who were going to read Moon Knight, probably regardless, um, but who came out and said it's a great first issue. But people who were just picking it up because they're picking up all the new first issues yeah. were like, this was Thank the you. best. Yeah. Thank and it was so much. Wow. Yeah. It was very bold as well. I and mean, we, we made note of it as well. That uh, Tommy, you mentioned as well in your notes about Moon Knight not appearing in the first issue. But in no yes. way, I thought, did that detract from it because we got a real good insight into into Patient 86, as he was known back then. Um, yeah. And uh, it was a great way to actually start a series. I, I thought it set it up beautifully. Um uh, and Tommy, you mentioned more. You had something to speak of uh, with with Doctor Emmett. Yeah, Max. So I just wanted to uh, poke you a little bit on this, but um, sure. I really enjoyed uh, issue that that first issue. And you know, you pop onto Reddit, and and even there was some a little bit of dissentment on the ITK community of like, where's Moon Knight? You know, mm. why? Yeah. How how can you call this a Moon Knight issue if Moon Knight's not in there? But I really enjoyed that issue because it was starting to really dig into the possibilities of the connections that Moon Knight has to the Egyptian mythos. Um, But also, it really started to explore Dr. Emmett in a way that we hadn't seen it 
two or three years because Dr. Emmett in, in your predecessor's run um, was really the antagonist. You know, it was the, the, the controlling force that was medicating Mark and mm-hmm. uh, preventing yeah. him from becoming his best self or, or maybe actually helping him. You know, there's right. interpretation. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but by the end of that issue, we see Emmett completely destroyed. And then we see her perhaps again in yes. the back of Two. the warehouse with um, with Bushman when he yep. makes his first appearance. Uh, and then we see her again in issue 200 as part of the Moon Knight, uh, the Moon Knights, whatever we might call them. And I, I, I will admit I was a little bummed that we didn't get to explore her character. But I, I do want to question yeah. just did you do that to Dr. Emmett? Did you create this new version of Dr. Emmett um, with the intention that maybe we can explore this one day? I, I, I know that you mentioned that you're, you have an improv, improvisational style of writing. Yeah. I uh, but I, did I, you I, intend uh, Dr. Emmett to be a villain, uh, a hero, a supporting character? There was character, some discussion of, of her, her um, you know, becoming more of a recurring character, but I think we turned away from it somewhere in the conversation. Uh, you know, I think... She, she had already served that role, um, and I kind of wanted her to bridge the gap. And I also wanted to explore her as uh, as a person, uh, as just kind of a woman, as a as a person, a doctor, a normal like uh, person who is affected by Mark, and how the people around Mark are affected by Mark, or affected by people with by superheroes affected by uh, people with a mental illness um, and what it provokes amongst other people. So I I felt like I kind of wanted to keep it, you know, I I wanted that issue to be her story. And I, and I did bring her back so that, you know, there was a thread linking the whole thing. And I think really important in Sun King's history now, Mm -hmm. uh, because essentially he totally screwed her over yeah. uh, and really mm. harmed her and hurt her. Mm. And so no matter how redeemed he gets, uh, he still like completely, you know, destroyed that woman's life. Yeah. So uh, I wanted her to be around as a reminder of it. She wasn't just like this peripheral character who she actually really matters to the history of Sun King. And, you know, yeah. she will always probably, I hope that if, if they keep him around that, that like, forget that he completely burned like, <laughs> like yeah. destroyed her so it's like mm-hmm. um so but no i wanted it to be a self we i think i think the goal was to create a self-contained story and okay. had we kept her around it would have felt more like you know yeah uh like something i wanted i wanted that first issue to be to be like yeah. you could just read it you know yeah well, one, one of the most shocking things was the ending um that that you know when she does get and Beautiful, beautiful artwork by Jason Burroughs. Uh, he just yes. t- he just turns Amazing. like you know uh, just a, mm. a beautiful depiction. But then you get this horror element when Sun King just kind of turns crazy, and towards the end, and when Emmett kind of meets her, you know, demise. Uh, that was really yeah. quite a shocking ending, and 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 I can see now, as you say, it's a nice little one kind of one shot, a capped off story. For that um, yes but yeah she was a, she's a very interesting character would definitely like to see her kind of explored a bit more of course she mm. should always you know they can 
Jenkins' return to her. I mean, she yeah. definitely affected. I, I see her as, you know, to some degree, she's she's brought. It's her responsibility as a doctor to take care of her patients. So it's like she mm-hmm. she put herself in harm's way, but more than anything, she's a victim. Yes, because she was just trying to help both of the Mark, and she was just trying to help you know Sun King. So I think yeah. you know, like she, yeah. Yeah, no, no, no worries. Um, look, I'm a bit um, just mindful for time, Rebecca. Wise, I mean, I know that. Yeah, you're, yeah. Um, I is, have to go. Yeah, is it? Oh, yeah. I'm sorry, work, unfortunately. <laughs> oh so, man, I have like what? I have I have a nightmare job, and someone couldn't make it today, so I've been. I'm doing an extra shift. Hooray! Mm. Writing about all <laughs> well, the terrible things in the world. Yeah, it's been an honor. I'm a big fan of all the stuff. Um, oh, yeah. I've, obviously, been on you know, your stuff's yeah. great. I've loved all of it. Thank you. Yeah. Centipede as well, which I forgot to mention. Great stuff. Oh, dude. Yeah. Um, Thank you very going, much. Going back to my youth. Um, I will listen to the rest of the podcast when it's out. And thank you very much for coming on. And thank you of very course. much for the cameo. <laughs> of course. Oh, yes. Of course. The cameo. <laughs> totally, totally yeah, super jealous, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, like uh, uh, I haven't got over it yet. But, um, <laughs> oh. Thank you very much, and we'll keep reading whatever you put out. All yeah. right. Thank you. Cool. Thank you. All right. Take care. Bye bye. See Rebecca. Good night, Rebecca. Yes. Yeah. Bye. Cool. Um, all right. So yeah, let, let's get on to some fan mail here. We've got a couple um, of questions here, Max, um, from some people awesome. that have written in. I'll read the the first one. This one's from Jamie McLaren um, from Bedford in the UK. And he says, over the, oh. ye- over the years, Moon Knight writers, as well as writers of Legion and other long-running characters, have wrestled with the changing way that various disorders have been described and diagnosed by the medical and psychiatric professions, sometimes expressed in new and contradictory diagnoses in the comics themselves, other times by editorial decisions to downplay certain aspects of the characters. Did any of these shifts in portrayal or uh, medical context affect your approach to writing Moon Knight? And if so, how? Yeah, um, I think think just the, the, uh, the examination of, like, in the previous run that Mm -hmm. perhaps um you know that everything had maybe been an illusion you know i mean i think i think there were times where, where you know people played there were times where people played with like uh the idea like a little fast and loose mm-hmm. uh and then i think it needed to be stated exactly what it was and and therefore like especially for people who suffer from it to like Mm -hmm. or any other like trauma-based personality in order to like feel like they're being honored Mm -hmm. uh but i i kind of felt like uh the evolution over time of people how people see these disorders like how people see um any sort of personality thing coming you know it possibly linked to something that might be chemical mm-hmm. is kind of a recent, uh, you know, people are becoming a lot more uh, those things medically mm-hmm. or, or medically. And then also in pop culture, I mean, like, so the, the knowledge of, of, of what the like bipolar spectrum is or the depressive spectrum 
uh, it's no longer just this word manic depressive where mm-hmm. it's suddenly like you throw in, in everyone who can get depressed. It's like there's all different levels of it. Yeah. So I think Marvel was really cool to let me explore the idea that, you know, like, yes, he has what people use to call multiple personality disorder. But where does that, you know, where does it come from? So I, I, I think we wouldn't have done 194 um, mm-hmm. without that. Um, and we wouldn't have done, uh, we wouldn't have been able to sort of play with it in, in a sort of, I mean, we did play with it. We did play a little loose with it, I think. But mm-hmm. I think it was all under the guise of, or, or under not the guise, excuse me, under mm-hmm. the sort of like understanding of, of compassion. Yeah. Um, for it, and, and that there is an under there's complete knowledge of what it is and and exactly how it works. And then we were like, okay, so now how can we both explore it and make it a fun comic to read? Because it is a really like intense condition to have. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. and we ended like the last run was pretty, uh, serious and, yeah. and I wanted to basically say, Oh, okay. Like how can we, how can we write an adventure comic while still acknowledging that this is like a very real condition that the character has? Yeah. 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 No, it's, it's, um, it's quite, it's quite in depth, isn't it? Like, um, and yeah, like, like I mean, like we've mentioned before as well, there is a, um, an imprint of Mark and, and onto you as well. Um, yes. Which, uh, which has, I guess, you know, for better or worse, has been fortuitous to, to the writing. Oh, completely. Yeah. I mean, he's saved my life. Mm. You know, like, uh, writing this comic was what got me out of, uh, you know, it, it made me realize that there are heroic, or, or reminded me that there are heroic qualities to myself, even as someone who suffers yeah. from, from deficiency. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah. Uh, or you, or if if you deem that, yeah, you don't have to even deem them that because I mean, yeah, them, you know. Um, so so you know, in seeing that that Mark could do things, I was like, I can do it. Yeah. I, um, so yeah. Yeah. No, that's very good. It's very encouraging. Um, uh, you can and... buy the sand for the sandbox. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yes, I could. I could. That's it. Potentially. Yeah. <laughs> um, we have another uh, email question. I think we've probably covered it, but anyway, I'll, I'd like to read out anyway. It's from one of our favorite loonies sure. as well, Dustin Kurtz. Dustin Cold Case Kurtz, who's been on the show. He says, Hello, Max. Uh, let me first say I've loved your take on our boy Mooney. It seems that you related pretty strongly to Mark Spector, and I think it's most evident in 194. My question is, how much of your own personal life was inspired from the story in 194, specifically with your family's relationships to the horrors of World War II and the Holocaust? Uh, Thank you in advance, and I look forward to hearing your response. So, yeah, we did touch upon yes. that. Um, a lot of uh, some relatives, um, similar to Rebecca's my relatives. Yeah. yeah. Uh, my, my grandmother's whole family died mm. in the Holocaust. Um, she was like one of the few survivors. Um, and then, you know, my grandmother in the Israeli army, like mm-hmm. at the time. So, uh, yeah, they're deeply rooted in that. And, uh, and, uh, you know, I also, you know, I, I had some weird experiences with rabbis at a young mm. age. Like there was like a kind of a, a weird thing went down with like the local rabbi when I was, oh. I don't want to like get too into yeah, it because he's an sure. actual guy. Yep. Um, 
and that kind of inspired me to, to think about rabbis because like, you know, priests have certainly gotten it and there are certainly so many ridiculously terrible priests. Yeah. Uh, but like the sort of creepy rabbi phenomenon hasn't really been explored <laughs> as much. Oh, yeah. um, can, you know, we need yeah. to get a creepy rabbi. Can explore in there. that. <laughs> um, yeah. but, but for me, like it was mainly the, the, the trauma, the trauma that he experienced at such a young age, uh, being something that, that I relate to because, uh, yeah. I just had some, you know, a few creepy, yeah. uh, dark things happened throughout my childhood. And then they're just like, basically like, uh, you know, all the, it was, it was really more of a metaphor for how the Holocaust kind of bit him in the ass as a person through his heritage. Yeah. You know, it kind of, it literally came back to haunt him, mm. you know, in, in Marx, it was an actual guy. Yeah. Uh, but for me, like just the trauma, you know, my mom was affected by it. So yeah. it affected me and it affected my relationship with my grandparents. I'm also like half Jewish. So yeah. it was a big thing for me because, um, well, not half Jewish. I'm culturally Jewish because my mom is, but yes. my dad is not born Jewish. Mm-hmm. So basically like the Holocaust made my grandparents super um, like uh, protective of, of Judaism. Yeah. So even though it seems like I'm like gung ho about it, that they also kind of ostracized me and my family. Yeah. So I, it, a lot of like what I wrote about, even in 199 and 200 with the truth, yeah, uh, and like his whole sort of condition or the potentially imaginary condition is because like I feel like you know, there is an element of self sab or just turning on each other that there is in the, in the Jewish community because there has been so much anti-Semitism. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so it's like there's a lot of like distrust even of like your neighbor or other people uh, who who are even Jewish or other people who are related or other people who are just nice people. So yeah. I felt like uh, that was part of my metaphor, yeah. I guess you could say, in in the truth's condition. Cool. And not to not to take away from the uh, the Jewish roots or the the roots of the trauma that and the crises that have affected the Jewish community within the last, well, <laughs> several thousands yeah, of yeah, years, but yeah, recently yeah. the last hundreds of hundred years. Um, Max, I can say that that issue with the truth came out at such, as you can tell, at such a, uh, an important time in yeah. the United States. Yeah. Because this idea of truth and this idea of spreading the truth and forcing people to believe this presumed truth yep. without yep. getting political is just is ever present you know so yeah. it was it was yeah. a really really interesting run i think the entire 12 issues and we're, we're i think you. as a loony community we're quite thankful uh to have you oh, here tonight but, but i think to, that, that you were able to contribute to moon Knight's story yep. in that thank way thank you so. absolutely absolutely and and tommy you have uh, a couple of questions here from a special someone yeah so <laughs> These are two questions that might be better suited to your artist counterparts, but yeah. perhaps you had yep. a role in it. But Remy was really okay. curious about these. So uh, the first question goes. Hi, Mr. Max. My name is Remy. Why is Moon Knight really like this comic? <laughs> I think the answer is there's answer and it's that so the bad guys can see when to get them 
Yes. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Well, that makes sense. He, he does yep. want to strike fear into the hearts of the criminals. Yeah, there you go. And then Remy's second question is... Hi, Mr. Max. My name is Remy. Why does Moon Knight turn his belt into a sword? Well... Just referencing issue uh, 194, I think. <laughs> nice. Well, I think it's probably so he can carry it around. It's probably because if he's going to have a sword, he's going to have to grab it. So yeah. why not have a belt sword? Exactly. Otherwise, it would be like an umbrella, wouldn't it? And it gets a bit cumbersome. Yes. Gets a bit, <laughs> yeah, it would a bit be annoying. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Who, yes. So, so just to make it easier. To make it easier. <laughs> Well, thank you, Remy. Thank you for those awesome questions. Um, it's good to hear Thanks, from you. Thanks, Remy. <laughs> um, look, guys, sorry, we, we're going to have to uh, wrap up soon. Um, first, obviously, Max, want to thank you so much for your time. You have been so generous. Oh, you have been so generous. Yeah, you. not only on the on the show now, but just, just with communicating correspondence uh, online, um, really, really appreciate it. And and uh, of course, we didn't get to mention it, but obviously that the massive cameo that you gave us in the comic that's it's just amazing. Uh, yeah, it was that Wednesday night. Well, it was a crazy, crazy night. <laughs> uh, that's awesome, and I mean, I really like. It's really true that you guys played a part in healing me during this time because I I really do like stay away from reviews and. Mm. Um, you know, it's it's generally a thing, and I it, it took me a lot of like uh, took a lot of sort of like doing to make myself go okay. Like I'm going to listen to this podcast. What if they hate it? Like I literally <laughs> have no idea. Nah. And I, um, you know, and I listened to it during this time. It, it it was like the first time I heard someone like analyze my writing to <laughs> such an extent. If you think about it, except I mean, yeah. in music in music it happened all the time. Mm-hmm. But as a comic writer, it was the first time someone went panel by panel and discussed something I had done. So it was like a huge turning point for me to be able to say, oh, like, I can do this. You know, there's yeah. people oh. who I relate to who are intelligent. And um, awesome. so, so yeah, that's that's it's not just because you're awesome. It's just because, like, it, like, you guys actually into the sort of narrative there at that point where people are kind of showing up to help Mark. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, thank you so much. And and you know, from the obvious, apart from the obvious uh, thrill of of seeing our names on there as well, it's it's just a fantastic nod to Loonies in general. Um, yes. Just a nod to all the fans, and it's just oh, it, it was just brilliant, and it just uh, lifted my heart. That's actually. who they are. You know, that's yeah. who those people were meant to be. We're we're just all the yeah people who support what is essentially like a weird niche, you know, like <laughs> comic, you know, and, and yeah. making it one of the cooler and. Uh, you know, yeah. uh, Marvel Comics out there. Oh, no, it was, it's absolutely fantastic. So once again, a massive thank you for, for all your time. And, of course. Uh, um, and, but before we go, we have a spectacle, which is basically a shout-out. So uh, I obviously want to ask about any of your upcoming projects, Max, which you can give a plug to. Sure. Well, the only one I can really talk about right now is, is doing my first, like, graphic novel, proper, like, uh, mm-hmm. original graphic novel. Um, and it's probably not going to come out for a little bit. Like I basically sort of gave myself a little break because as you can tell, things got hairy for a little while. Um, but I sort of dove into writing this graphic novel and and it's, 
is definitely like a mature reader's book. It's super intense and it kind of explores like um, issues about, uh, you know, uh, abuse, things mm-hmm. like that. But it's also a really dark comedy. It's a, it's a, a summer camp uh, horror book. Uh, oh, but it's nice. definitely, yeah, but it's a Jewish summer camp horror book. So wow. there's a lot well, of naturally. So, <laughs> yeah, of course. So there's, there's themes that have, in Moon Knight, but they're I think explored in a little bit more of an adult way. Yeah. Um and obviously it's uncensored and I get to kind of uh awesome. let my let my demons out a little bit. Awesome. Well, when when is that more than I did on Moon Knight. Yeah. Well, I would say it'll yeah. probably come out in the next, you know, six months. Cool. I know that's a a big stretch, but like we're doing it ourselves. Yeah. Um me and this this guy who's also named Max, who's <laughs> a Russian um uh, he uh and uh, we are just doing it ourselves and doing it right now. It's yeah. being drawn. And I've never, never, uh, I've never done a book outside of like a publisher. Uh, so I, there may end up being one in the end, but yeah. uh, we just wanted to have complete control from the beginning. And then I'm doing some other stuff with, you know, publisher. That's all in its sort of like primal stages because yeah. I, I really i kind of as i said in a few articles i kind of i'm stepping away from marvel for yeah. the time being sure so it's kind of like starting all over with with certain you know to 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 seek out a, a place where i can i licensed or, or yeah. sort of like superhero stuff so we'll see um and you know as long as people just pay attention i'm yeah. you know i'm on twitter and well um Max. Be, there, it's now what I do entirely. You know, yeah. it's now it's now my job. So fantastic. Well, Max, you are you are forever a, a Moon Knight alumni now. So Thank we'll be you. keeping here, clo- here. yeah, we'll be keeping close tabs Thank on you. all your projects, and we'll be shouting them out. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, if, if it's of the caliber of all all your previously written stuff and your Moon Knight stuff, uh, I'm sure all the loonies and beyond will be really interested in what your what you have to oh. say. So thank you. <laughs> no, sincerely, it's great. Thank it's uh, yeah, for sure. You guys are the sweetest. Thank you so much. <laughs> um, yeah, thank you, Tommy, as well for coming onto the show. Uh, and thanks for yes, a little thank you, dude. Remy as well. Yeah, hey Max, it was great to meet thanks, you, Remy. and 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 thank you for playing such an important part in uh, you know my high school life and college life. And, I know, and, it's, and it's kind really of this fortuitous. capstone here. So. Yeah, yes, thank so. you. I'm glad we could we could have this conversation, man. Thank you. Yeah, and I think we've uh, we, well. Yeah, I think we've lost Connor. So unfortunately, oh, I can just hear there Connor. There he is. There he is. Are you there, Connor? Floating in the periphery. He's uh, in the overvoid somewhere. I can just barely we love perceive you, him. We love you, Connor. We love you. <laughs> uh, sorry. Uh, w- a, a little bit. Um, <laughs> anyhow, um, sorry, we have to we have to wrap up here. I um, next episode actually Connor will be featuring with Dustin Cold Case Kurtz for the Isle of Ra sessions. Dustin goes through his four books, so that will be good. Um, yeah, and just keep an eye out, uh, Looney's the phases of the moon we we do go by the phases of the moon so 
I think the next one, <laughs> it's a bit weird, isn't it, Max? But we, no, I love why it. not? <laughs> uh, I think the next one would be, uh, I can't remember the name of the phase, but it will be a classic run. So that will be a, I do believe, a waning crescent. So um, just look up into the night sky. Conchu will reveal all. Uh, as usual, uh, we are contactable on email, otkmoonnight at gmail.com. We're on Facebook, facebook.com. We've got a page here, slash ITK Moon Knight. Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups, ITK, slash ITK Moon Knight. Uh, we have a Twitter handle at ITK Moon Knight, as well as being on Instagram, Tumblr, YouTube. Just search for Into the Night, a Moon Knight podcast. Finally, just another big shout out again to thank you so much, Delita and Noel, for the music of this show, and for Randolph... Benoit um, <laughs> for the the graphics and of course the clerics of Ohm for their song on this episode awesome stuff well uh, yeah um, once again sorry I did forget Max as well a big thank you for oh, your run on Moon Knight I mean uh, specifically <laughs> on your thank you so much for, for the 12 issues that you have given us and that you have given to Moon Knight uh, Moon Knight's canon uh, it, it's it's uh, it's fantastic. It's uh, it's sad to see you go, but um, it, but definitely looking forward to your upcoming projects. Thank you, thank you, guys. I'm gonna run and uh, go check on the children, and nice. uh, uh, I will say hi to Lucy, who is yes. dietist. Yeah, <laughs> cool. <laughs> Please do. Uh, thank you so much. Thanks, everyone. We'll catch you back here next week or in a couple of days for the Isle of Ra. Catch you later. Okay, bye guys. Moon Knight and affiliated characters, stories and events are properties of Marvel Characters Incorporated. Materials used and discussed within the podcast are intended for critique and review purposes only under the fair dealing concept of the current Copyright Act. The views, information or opinions expressed during the podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of the copyright owners. Yes, we got that, Max. That's awesome. I know my sniffles. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> allergies. <laughs> the worst. Terrible. Yeah. Immortalized. Excellent. Immortalized. Yeah. In uh, the fifty-fourth minute. That's that's fantastic. I'm gonna I'm gonna timestamp that. Max sneezes. <laughs> Max blows his nose. <laughs> yeah.